Welcome to the November 2nd, 2023 meeting of the uh, Fitchburg Board of Health. I now call this meeting to order. Uh, please be advised that FATV is conducting an audio and video recording of this meeting for public broadcast. I ask that anyone in the audience who is recording this meeting to please identify him or herself for the record now by standing and state your name and city of residence. I don't think anyone's recording. Uh, at this time, I ask that all electronic devices be placed into silent mode. Um, I invite anyone in the audience who wishes to speak, please to approach the podium, identify yourself by name and address, and identify the agenda item in which you would like to speak. And then you may speak on it for no more than two minutes. Um, is there anyone wishing, Sally? Uh, good afternoon, everyone. My name is Sally Cragen. I am a city councilor at large, and I live at 1138 Oak Hill Road in Pittsburgh. I'm speaking on uh, item number two, hearing requests, uh, item B, nuisance dogs review. Um, I am speaking on behalf of the residents whose lives are affected and afflicted by the nuisance dogs. Um, there's also issues with construction and debris, but that is matters for another day. I'd like to say that I have a family member who lives very close. I'm uh, not close enough to hear, but I'm very, very familiar with the neighborhood. That is a close, densely packed neighborhood. There is not space for people to make excessive noise or for their pets to make excessive noise. My concern, again, I'm the director of V-Positive Therapy Pets. I work with our animal control. I write Pet of the Week every week in the Sentinel and Lowell Sun. Animal welfare is really important to me, and if dogs are barking at all hours of the day and night, that tells me, one, those dogs are not tired, they have not been properly walked. Two, those dogs may not be neutered, so they may be an animal in heat that is nearby, and I am really concerned because the dogs are in distress. Dogs do not bark unless they are alerting you of something or they're distressed about something, and constant chronic barking is unacceptable. And I really hope that you will find in favor of the neighbors who took the time to come here today and who have been suffering with this at all hours of the day and night for some time. Should have pressed my button here, but that is it for me. Uh, Sally, uh, before I let you sit down, I think your, uh, re your uh, microphone was not working for the initial couple sentences that you gave. Would you mind? No, I, I'm sorry, I didn't hear the first part of what you said. Oh, okay. Um, so uh, I'm Sally Cragen, uh, 1138 Oak Hill Road, Fitchburg. The uh, issue I'm speaking to is your uh, number item B on uh, number two hearing requests. And I'm speaking on behalf of the neighbors who live in the neighborhood and who have to suffer because of dogs barking at all hours of the day and night. This is unacceptable for a densely packed neighborhood. And also, there, I believe there are issues having to do with debris and, and abandoned cars and unstable dwelling or, uh, structures. Those are matters for another day and see click fix. But the matter of the barking dogs is uh, concerning to me because the, um, the, there can be blight that you see in like a building that's abandoned, but there's also blight that you hear. Construction work at different hours, especially construction work that is not within the parameters of what's allowed by the city, uh, is a problem. So I do ask that you find in favor 
of the residents who have suffered with these, I'm, I'm sorry, but probably very distressed dogs, um, barking out their, uh, their, their consternation at being confined and being uh, not capably taken care of. I'm making surmisal all over the place, but uh, normal dogs do not chronically bark at all hours of the day and night. And a veterinarian would say the same because I've asked that question of vets. Thank you for your time. Okay, thank you. Um, just to give a little background, I think we did discuss this problem on September 7th, 2023 at our meeting here. And I think we did determine that the dogs were nuisance dogs based on the uh, noise disturbance that they were creating. Um, we had asked, and, and it'll be coming up shortly on the agenda for a follow-up at this meeting uh, uh, from the neighbors uh, and actually all concerned as to uh, whether the noise had been controlled. Uh, we, we allowed two months to have that happen. So we were looking for a follow-up at the meeting today. So we'll certainly be addressing that. Um, did you? My name's Carolyn Jarvie. Same issue. Um, unfortunately, September 7th, I was unable to, to come because my father had passed away. Sorry. But I guess I'd kind of like to be heard. I've been dealing with these dogs for four years. And... Uh, this is, let me see. Oh. I've taken to calling them roosters because seriously, it affects my mental health. I can't even have a conversation out in my backyard. My backyard abuts their backyard with Shea Street in between. And uh, I understand that the, my neighbor said that there were no other, that no one ever approached him. Four years ago, I asked him if he could keep his dogs quiet. And he said, well, what would you like me to do? And I said, well, you could take them out for a walk because at that time they weren't in a four by eight enclosure. I said, you could give them some attention when you go out in the backyard. I said, you could talk to them. And he looked at me and he shook his shoulders. He said, I don't speak dog. So I did. I have tried over the years to, to talk to him. I can't talk to him anymore. Anyway, thank you. Oh, thank you. Uh, just one question before you sit down. Um, we, as I said, we met about this on September 7th of this year, and I was just wondering if um, in that interim the noise has continued? Uh, have you con uh, the, the noise has continued. Um, and to be honest, maybe not to the extent that it, it had been, but I've been away a lot. I, I don't stay at home because I can't stand it personally. Um, I try and not be in my yard or my home. Um, and recently, like I didn't hear them at all today, and I don't know if it's because it's cold and they're all inside or not. Mm -hmm. And I understand also that the last time he said it was because he had a baby well, it's been three years, and they just had their baby a month or so ago, so it's not that. Anyway, and I would invite any of you to come over for a cup of coffee next summer and try and have a conversation with me out in my backyard. I would be happy to host you. It's that, that 
constant and that noisy that you have difficulty staying home and that you have difficulty yes, it hearing at home? All right, Thank, thanks very much. We do have a hand raised virtually as well. Ms. Cragen is on virtual, but. Okay. Oh, you want me to press the button? Listen, my name is Paul Boschman. I'm the city councilor in Ward 2. I represent these people right here, these young ladies. Uh, numerous times, I drive up Shea Street all the time because my house is right on the corner of uh, St. Andrew Street and Shea. And uh, when I first get the complaints about the barking dogs, well, you know how neighbors can be sometimes. We complain about anything about anybody. So I said, well, I'll go down there and check before I start opening my big mouth. So I sat down there, you can hear the dogs bark, and you can also hear the dogs up to my house, but not as bad as, as these neighbors. So I have called the dog officer uh, a couple of times. One time when I called, they went down, and they did the exact same thing I did. I believe they must have told you this. They sat down on the outside, a little bit further down the road, and they could hear the dog back, bark, and they approached the guy. Because they used to have the dogs behind the garage, fenced in, but the dogs could not see. It was all covered. So if they heard any kind of a noise at all, that's all they did was bark. Mm -hmm. So I know I have talked to Steve, and I couldn't make the meeting on September 7th, and I talked to you, uh, because they still can hear the dogs barking, and they told me that you guys said that they said that they were going to keep the dogs inside the house. Now, I haven't, in all fairness, the only thing I heard, that they, some of them said that they could still hear the dogs barking, but I haven't really got that many, that many complaints. Uh, but I did hear, when I asked you, right, the other day, I asked him, he said he got better a little bit, but not that much. So I just wanted you to let you know. Thank, I want to say thank you. Thanks very much. Um, just one other question. Um, with respect to... Is there an average time that the barking starts in the morning and average time that it stops later in the day, or is it 24 hours that this goes on? She could tell you more because she was right exactly across the street from her. I live up the street. During the day, I could hear them barking, but at nighttime, I can't because when I go to bed, I go to bed and I sleep. So, and I get the air conditioners on, air conditioners on, so. Okay. Um, someone else want to speak? <laughs> My name is Ann Cragen, live at 78 St. Joseph Avenue, <laughs> and I'm a few houses down from the dogs, and um, I was at the last meeting, and I have here a list of um, November 17th, I mean, sorry, uh, September 17th, September 20th, September 22nd, September 26th, September 20, uh, 27th, 28th. Okay, these were times that the dogs were out there barking, and I called um, animal control. Hour and a half, this went on another time. Uh, we were sitting on the deck, and another time they barked for an hour. This is sometimes I'm in the house. <laughs> it's September. I don't run the AC, so my windows are open. Um, on 
September 27th, the dogs were barking at 4.49. Actually, it was the large dog. He had been the biggest problem. So at 4.49 a.m. in the morning, I can hear him barking sometimes at 1 o'clock. So I now know that the dogs are out in this kennel that he's had. I, I have seen it. Uh, there's a lot of stuff going on at their house, so it's kind of hard to see the yard, but you have to walk on the Shea Street side, and you can see the yard. And so um, another time, the large dog, which was 9 September 28th, it was 6.59, and then at 10.10, they started again, and I called animal control. Because when I call the animal control, because we've had this meeting and they were here, I don't ask them to call me back because they've explained to us there's nothing more that they can do, which I don't know why we have an animal control department if they cannot step in to stop the dogs from barking. So this has been going on for a while, and we mentioned that, and I know you gave them a two-month period, and I don't know if the gentleman, I don't see him here, so what I'm concerned about is he has built a, I think it's a doghouse or a shed, so I think he's put the large German Shepherd in there, probably both of them, and there's now a door to it. The last time I went by, it was only a gate, so I could still hear the dog barking. So it's been a little bit more quieter. So maybe he has addressed the issue. However, it seems now the little dogs are taking their turn, and they're barking. Now, from what I understand, I've looked at the dog license, and I understand that Mr. Sousa, the one that was here, that he has the two German shepherds. And his brother, David, who lives upstairs, has the three small ones. <laughs> The small ones have been here since they bought the house in 2014. I saw them the first time this um, past month. There are three little dogs. And so they also seem to be staying outside. And now they're doing barking. So now that's five dogs at the house. And I understand five dogs in a resident needs a kennel permit. And I don't think they have that as well. And I don't care if there's two different people that own the dogs. They all live in the same resident. To me, that counts. Mm -hmm. He's not here, so I can't address to him what is he doing about the dogs. So that's what I'm really concerned about. You know, it is getting colder, so the windows are shut. We don't hear. But if we leave here tonight, we get through winter and spring comes, and I got to listen to those five dogs again, well, I'm not going up to his house, but I'll be back here, and I don't know what else I can do. And I can understand Carolyn's situation because I walked by her house one day, and Mr. Je uh, Sousa um, was in his yard, and that German shepherd was barking galore. And I, I walked over to her, and I had to go into the yard all the way to the table where her and her husband were sitting. I said, how can you stand this? I said, I can't even talk to you. And when they do bark, that sound does carry down to my house. And I'm not as close as her, and it is annoying. I'm, I was making supper one night, and they barked for an hour and a half. I said, honest to God, so he's not here tonight.
And there were so many other issues that are going on at that house. So I have a feeling we'll just walk out this door and that's gonna be the end of it. Nobody's taking the dogs away. Nobody's making him put them in the house and I don't know how anybody's gonna do that. He just wants to do what they want to do. It seems that way when you go by the house, they park all their cars out on the street, which I know is a different issue, but they're, they block the traffic. So I think these people just wanna do what they wanna do. They're not interested in any rules and regulations of the city. That's it. Um, I was trying to remember, um, I think it was discussed at the last meeting, whether the dogs were neutered or not. I think they are not. They are not. None of them is neutered, yeah. Issue and one dog I believe is this, and I think it's the Chihuahua, and none of them are. According to, um, I'm Amy Minichello, and I live at 60 Caswell Road. I'm Ann's daughter. Um, according to the licenses, um, that's how we got the information. So they are not all neutered. Okay. Um, since we came in in the September visit, my dad has fallen sick, so that's why he's not with us today. Um, so I have spent an numerous amount of time at my parents' house. The calls that my mother was listing, half of those are from me calling the dog officer. I was in my mother's house, and I'm doing work inside the house right now, and I said to my mother, what is that noise? It's been going on since I've been here, and I've been here three hours. She said, that's the dog's. I said, you have got to be kidding me. It has been nonstop for hours, Ma. She goes, this is what it's like. My niece lives upstairs, which my niece is on the computer with you now, because um, she's at work. And she has had company. She had friends from Virginia. At 3 a.m., those friends were woken up from those dogs barking. My great nieces spend time staying at my niece's house, which is upstairs from my parents. And on numerous occasions, my five-year-old great-niece and my 10-year-old great-niece has told me, Arnie Amy, those dogs barked all night. We had to get Arnie Ashley to get them to stop. So they are, to answer your question, they are barking at all hours of the night and during the day. Yes, the larger dogs have quieted but we've heard them just as much. When I have reported, called the report, when I put the report into the dog officer, I make sure I tell her which dogs are barking and which I have been listening to. And I have called numerous times for both dogs since this has occurred. So we haven't seen any changes at all. And now with my dad, We've been sitting out on the deck more often, and it is nonstop for hours. And my dad's been in the hospital twice, and when he's back home, I have sat outside with him to keep him company. And like they said, you cannot talk, you can't do anything, and it's constant. I've heard people yell, shut up, and then they shut up for two seconds and start back again, and that's it. That's all we've seen. So we as the neighbors have not seen any changes. And again, this has been four years of this, if I'm... Well, that's what Carol was telling us earlier. I didn't realize that, but... I'm on record 
for the dog officer calling, and I called so much, she told me to stop calling because there was nothing she could do for me. So, and then I made the mistake of calling the police because they told me that they're a nuisance, I can call the police. Mm. And then the very next day, she called the police on us. Um, I won't tell you what for, but anyway. Uh, so I'm very careful about what I do. The last time the dog officer fined her for something because I had called, the next day he was over with his dogs letting them poop on my lawn um, and recording me, I think, hoping that I would curse at him or something, but I didn't. Um, he said he was a good neighbor, and I told him if he was a good neighbor, then he would do something about his barking dogs because they were driving me crazy. <coughs> so, yep, four years. Well, thanks very much for uh, your updates. It sounds as if, we just to summarize, know, this has do been... do know they're building something in the back near the dogs. We don't know what, because you can't clearly see it. But there's been a lot of hammer, hammering and sawing going on lately. And we're not sure if they're extending the shed that they put the dogs in or what they're doing. Um, it seems to be that they're escalating for some odd reason since the meaning that, like I said, repercussions, they're, they're mad at us. We've, we've done it legally. We've done every step. We've tried to be nice. She's tried calling them. Um, we've done everything. And, and he sat here at the last meeting and said the neighbors didn't approach him. And, you know, if you just came over and, and told us that they were a problem, we'd do something. She clearly did that and, and, and tried to, a chat, a talking with the wife. It, it just doesn't seem to be anything. And, you know, like we said, they're, getting, they're parking more cars at their house, and we know that's not an issue, but they're putting their trash barrels in the middle of the road now because they take up all the front of their house, so they put the trash barrels in the middle of the road. So when you come up St. Joe's, you literally have to go into the other lane to avoid the trash barrels because they don't think that's a problem. I don't understand why that wouldn't be a problem. So they have no respect for the neighborhood, so we're just asking for a little more enforcement at this point because they're clearly not staying within general rules or just general respect from the neighborhood. So I think we're beyond just being nice and playing nice with them. We, we really are asking for some kind of enforcement and some kind of action to be taken at this point. And that's all I have. Thank you. Um, Steve, was there someone remote who was... There is. Joe, it seems like we've jumped into the here. <laughs> yeah, so, I was going to uh, say, I think we're, we're doing it in reverse. That's fine. Yeah. Um, we do have Matt Hughes from AKS on hold, too. But uh, Ashley Cragen, <clears throat> you can hear us? Yep, can you hear me? We can hear you loud and clear. Oh, that's good. Um, so I'm Ashley Cragen. I am... Um, Anne's granddaughter, we all touched base last time. To remind you again, my profession is a veterinary technician, so I deal with animals every day. Also want to remind you that as that job comes, I deal with barking animals every day. Um, so 
progress report is what we're looking for. Um, when it comes to it, I walk my dog by that house every day. My dog gets walked several times a day. So I think out of everyone, I'm not at home as much as my grandparents are, but I'm walking by that house frequently enough to kind of see what's going on. Um, there was one occasion that I saw um, the, the one of the German, excuse me, I'm sorry, one of the German shepherds was out for a walk with the owner. I was very impressed. And that was probably about two weeks after we met last time. And then there was another incident where I saw, actually my boyfriend saw the other owner with the three dogs out and walking them. So I, I was really thinking this was gonna be a good follow-up, you know, at that point. And again, it was all kind of around the same time. What he is doing now is the, the German Shepherd is barking less, for sure. I don't know if that's because what he has done is where their kennel was, he built a house around it. Um, the little dogs are still in their kennel that is indoor-outdoor. Um, they're out at all hours of the night. As you guys know, um, when I talked to you last, I was pregnant. Well, sleeping doesn't come very well for me anymore, and I sleep in the guest bedroom when my boyfriend snores. And I will just let you know that it was 3 o'clock. Um, I think it was last week or the week before. Um, and I heard I was woken up to them barking and I reported it to animal control, which at this point I'm on a texting basis. I just text her, but we're exhausted. I mean, do you guys really want us to report every single day that the dogs are barking every single time? I, I have a life. My grandfather, you know, he was just in the hospitalized with um, a very severe liver issue. We had things to worry about besides the dogs. My grandmother, she, like I said last time, she went through lung cancer and is recovering. They're retired. The neighbors are exhausted. And I think the hardest part of all of this is, yes, there are intact animals on the property, but I don't think, as a veterinary professional, that is gonna fix the barking. I think what they need to do is bring the animals in the house. I want proof that they have a trainer. I want proof that they have done actual things like bringing them in the house. I think that if, it's frustrating because I think if we were at in your neighborhoods, this issue would have been resolved. and. We've gotten slack from ACO, which they're trying their best. They're at their wits end with what they can do legally. Um, I've gotten slack back from the police, so I don't really want to call them because I just look like the bad neighbor. But I mean, how many times do you have to deal with something before you're just kind of to your wits end? And the lady talking, Mrs. Jarvis, I talk to her all the time. Talk about going crazy. I, I can only imagine because I'm at that point and I live several streets down. So I really want to know what you guys are going to do to fix this, because what, they're right. It's going to go all winter. Maybe they'll bring them in. Maybe they won't. But then we still have to deal with it next spring, and they're going to do it. So I need to know what you are going to do to fix it, because I'm frustrated. I'm frustrated that the city allows this, and they have things on their property that are other issues. They're right. So I agree. They don't respect the neighbors. They don't respect the neighborhood. They have abandoned cars on the property, an RV for years. They have a huge shipping crate in their yard. They're bringing down the property value. And this is the biggest problem in Fitchburg is we have people who do not care enough. And I want to care. You know, I want to live there. But now because of these neighbors, when my grandparents die, I will not live in that house. I will not stay in that neighborhood because no one there in that house respects us. And it's, it's, it's just exhausting. So that's all I have for you. Thank you. Is there anyone else who wants to add anything, or do you have anything? I want to second everything that Ashley said. <laughs> <Thank> you. <laughs> um, you know, I think um, at the last meeting we couldn't really make any distinct uh, suggestions as to how to control the barking. We just asked that it be controlled, and 
we, we allowed two months to have that happen. From what I can gather from all of you, um, it really hasn't. Perhaps the big dogs are barking a little bit less, but they're still barking. The smaller ones have seemed to make up for that, and uh, so still for four years you've been putting up with uh, this noise essentially 24-7, um, and uh, it's been quite an annoyance. Um, we, we did um, agree to have a repeat uh, hearing for an update today. Mr. Souza hasn't presented himself to give his side of the story. Um, I, I think what I'm gathering is the noise has not been controlled. It continues uh, just as bad, and it's interfering with your day-to-day -day lives and enjoyment of your lives and of the neighborhood. I can't, and we're not here now to address other problems that may exist there, but with respect to the dogs, I think we determined they were not dangerous dogs. They hadn't threatened anyone. They hadn't threatened other animals. They hadn't been anyone, but they certainly seemed to qualify as nuisance dogs. Uh, again, we gave two months to allow control, and it doesn't sound as if this has happened. There's some building going on in the backyard, but we don't know for certain what that's for, and it hasn't really, wasn't accomplished in two months. It wasn't stopped. So I have to agree with you. I think something needs to be done about these dogs. It sounds as if the Souzas are not able to control them. So I don't think that the dogs can be allowed to stay in that neighborhood. Um, and I'm going to make a motion that the dogs be taken away from the Souzas and that they be removed from the neighborhood. Um, I know that's harsh, but I think we were fair, giving them two months to make some progress. It sounds as if things aren't any better. The citizens of this city come before the dogs. <laughs> I mean, you have to have a comfortable life. And um, so I think that the dogs, unfortunately, are going to have to go. And since we haven't heard from Mr. Souza anything to contradict what we're saying or to indicate that he's made some progress or to indicate what he's doing, I think the two months are up, and I'm going to make a motion that the dogs be taken away from from the owners. I just have one question. We are talking about all five. Yes, all five. Okay, I just want to make sure we have that clear. Okay. Yeah. I don't think the dogs are happy there. Otherwise, they wouldn't be barking the way they are. Yeah, I, I'm not uh, going to get into whether the dogs are happy there or not or just how they're treated. I, I think it just comes down to the fact that they're making too much noise. People can't sleep at night. It's disturbing conversations during the day. It's disturbing your day-to-day -day life. Um, and it doesn't seem to have gotten any better after two months of making suggestions. I don't think we were difficult. We weren't threatening. We were just asking them to do something about it. And Nothing was done, it appears. So I don't see what other alternative we have other than to remove the dogs from the neighborhood. Um, and um, I mean, I feel bad for the Souzas. I feel bad for the dogs. But I think the responsibility that we have is to keep, uh, remove the nuisance, keep the neighborhood peaceful. And um, it appears that the only way to do that is to remove the dogs from the neighborhood. So I'm going to, uh, as I say, make a motion that that, that that be done. I do have one more question. 
I'm sorry. Ashley, go ahead. Um, so, so if we do this, which I, I understand is harsh, but I agree with what you're saying. What happens with them in the future if they get other dogs? <clears throat> Would you guys be able to put a motion in to stop it that they're not allowed to license any further dogs on that house? Yes, that is in the Mass General Law. Um, okay. I, and I, I just want to point out that there's go since we do not have a kennel like other communities, many communities do, um, it's going to take us a little time to find a location to house the dogs. Um, so I'm going to have to ask for a little bit more time and patience. I apologize, but uh, we'll, we'll need a location to, to remove the dogs. Um, and we'll also uh, do it uh, the nice way first by asking him to surrender the dogs. Uh, if not, we will probably have to seek a court order to enter to get them. So that could take a little time too, but I'll certainly uh, keep you updated on, on that process. But yes, and to your last point, um, it's right in the Mass General Law that the, uh, once the, the dog is determined a nuisance and the dog has violated an order, uh, we, what we would do is report to the city clerk uh, and that individual would not be able to license a dog in the Commonwealth. Uh, for five years. I'm not sure what kind of incentive that is, but that's the Mass General Law. They didn't, they didn't used to license the dogs. I, yeah. I, I understand. So well, <laughs> laws are written for law abiders and abiding citizens. Just keep that in mind. Well, then at that point, if more dogs are on the property, it becomes a police matter versus... Uh, a, oh. if, if there are costs through this process uh, incurred by the city. Um, he will certainly get a, a bill for the process. Failure to pay it would result in a lien against the property, so. Um, Diane, did you have I, any? I did have a question, but you clarified that because I was, I was looking for a little guidance. Like, do we have the um, ability, you know, I'm, do we have the ability to make the decision, which is what you, you just clarified? You do. Yes. You do. He violated okay. an order. Yeah. Page 26, sec section 8, H points that out for you on, in the Mass General Law. If you yeah. want to uh, just interpret it for your own. I, I'm, yeah. I'm not a lawyer either, but uh, I will be uh, working with the legal department as well as animal control in this process. And we will make sure that this process is done according to Mass General Law. So I've just made the general motion that the dogs be, all five of them, be uh, removed from the premises. Um, that, that's a motion I'm making. I don't. And I'm going to second that. All right. Absolutely. And, and Ian is not here, but even if he objected, it would still carry. So, I think. Two is a quorum. Sally. So. Uh, all right. You you haven't made your vote yet, so I can still speak on this motion. That's allowable within the protocols of your meeting. Um, I just wanted to say for anyone who's watching, the, um, I write a column called Pet of the Week for the Sentinel and Enterprise and the Lowell Sun every Sunday. I work with animal control. The point of the column is to find homes for animals. If anyone watching this is concerned about what may happen to these dogs, it sounds like the dogs are, are in... The, the, the barking is something that can be addressed by a trainer and that no one watching this should should be concerned that anything untoward will happen to these five dogs. The practice in Massachusetts among veterinarians is um, to keep healthy animals going. That 
unnecessary euthanasia is not a cultural practice in North Central Massachusetts, nor is it, nor is it anything that anyone I know in the animal rescue world embraces. We find it abhorrent. And I know our animal control officers are, are deeply compassionate. They go the extra mile and then the extra 10 miles <laughs> for every pet they take into care, whether it be a stray or a surrender or what have you. So I just wanted to add that, that fact that no one, um, I, I'm grateful to hear these dogs are going to get a second chance at a proper family and appropriate care because it doesn't sound like they had that. Thank you. Yeah, thank you very much for that clarification. I, exactly, I don't think any of us would um, be advocating that these dogs be euthanized or would like to see that happen at all. But um, it's just that I think we've reached uh, kind of an impasse uh, in terms of what can be done to control the barking at the neighborhood. And I, so I think that the dogs have to be removed from the neighborhood. It doesn't make any of us happy that we have to do that. But um, on the other hand, it doesn't make us happy that they would continue to do what they're doing, and it seems that they are. So uh, I think we have to make that uh, change. Sally, I just want to say one thing. I look forward to your column in the newspaper. I love the cats and the dogs that you uh, speak about. You have a, a great way of um, describing them, naming them to help them find a new home. So I'm, I'm also hopeful that that will happen with these, uh, with these animals. And the, the question that I had, and maybe you can answer this, Steve, is that um, what the neighbors are saying, they don't want, the neighbors don't want to be a nuisance by constantly calling the dog officers. If this were to be a case of, um, I don't know, I'm just going to say, use another example of like really rowdy neighbors, maybe people that are <laughs> up late partying day and night and, you know, everybody's agitated about that. We wouldn't really hesitate to call the police in a case like that. So is there something that, um, something instead of if the dog officers can't respond to every single call, what is the next best plan? Well, the dog officers are 24-7, so they should be returning. They should be responsible to re respond to the calls. Um, they are under the jurisdiction of the police department, so the backup there would be the police department officers. Um, we are the hearing authority to right. hear the grievances. Yeah. <laughs> but it seems like there's a little bit of a, a glitch in the system. There is a large glitch in the system and the health department suffers from the same thing, is, which is why we recently passed a, a 40U through the council uh, to appoint a municipal hearing officer to hear ticket hearings. Tickets right now, and it's not something I'm proud to yell out uh, or have no teeth uh, because there's no hearing process. We have the housing court, it takes months. The police have no, the dog officers have nothing to, for an appeal process or a hearing officer, so they can't enforce it. 40U allows a, the appointment of a municipal officer. Um, they will hear the cases. They will decide uh, whether the ticket should be paid. If the ticket's ordered to be paid, it can then um, ultimately become a tax and a lien against the property. Uh, so tickets very shortly, uh, within the next month or so, the hearing officer will be appointed. Um, tickets will have much more teeth, which will give the animal control uh, officers uh, much more uh, enforcement power. They still do not have the ability to remove a dog uh, like many of our communities do. They have their own kennels. 
uh, but we'll try to make some, I'm sure they have some sort of a, an agreement with uh, kennels uh, as they have in years past, so. What do you mean when you say tickets? Because my thought was parking tickets. And Very similar process. Um, um, code enforcement, uh, there is a- Code enforcement uh, tickets, yes. okay. Uh, animal okay. control has, the, uh, under city ordinances, they can issue fines for parking dogs. Uh, and they have, in this case, issued fines. Yep. The okay. problem is, is they have no avenue to enforce the fine. Mm -hmm. uh, that hopefully will change within the next month or so. Great. Thank you. One, one last bit of information, although there are lots of Cragans here this evening, they're not, they're not all related, so. <laughs> all right, um, then I think that concludes that item on the agenda. Yes, so I'm going to skip over to Mr. Hughes, seeing as though we kept him waiting uh, for the AKS topic. Okay. Okay? Yep. Got it here somewhere. Mr. Hughes, I apologize for making you wait for 43 minutes. Well, all right. I appreciate the opportunity to uh, be here tonight from New Hampshire. So the matter before the board, um, as you recall, uh, this was before Mrs. Tuziknak's time, um, but uh, a couple of years ago, um, the board heard ACAS Recycling's proposal to, to accept uh, bread and bakery waste at their transfer station. Um, DEP was the Department of Environmental Protection was uh, not opposed to issuing a permit for them to do that based on our decision. Uh, we did grant AKS uh, Recycling to uh, uh, the ability to accept the bread <coughs> and bakery waste, uh, since we uh, we permit and we also site assign uh, AKS, um, and I can get into this site assignment, which is a little bit complicated, but um, we did allow them to accept that. Mr. Hughes is, is now uh, asking for AKS to expand on the bread and bakery waste and call it commercial organic material rather than bread and bakery waste. Uh, now, I will allow him to um, expound on that to, to hopefully explain what the difference is and, and why he wants to do it. Can you help? <laughs> I hope so. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, again, good, good afternoon and thanks for the, uh, the opportunity. Uh, just to, I'll just do, I'll talk, do another recap. Uh, Steve did a good job. I'll try to fill a couple of blanks in. So it was, it was about this time, I think in 2020, we were first approached by a company called Bright Feeds. They're based in Berlin, Connecticut. And they were looking for a, a location. So what Bright Feeds does, they, they take um, organic materials, bread, uh, fruits, and other things, and they'll, and they'll process that into a, a dog or a pet food. So they were trying to expand their, their footprint into Massachusetts and were looking for a place to do a transfer operation. So customers or, or Bright Feeds you know, local pickups would, would service their customers and they would bring the material to our facility. We built a bunker, we had a, there was a drawing that we showed uh, back in, in 2020 to show where the material would be stored separate from the MSW that is transferred through there now. And then Bright Feeds would send uh, dump trailers, would track trailer dump trailers up for us to transfer that material into and they would bring it to their facility in Connecticut. Uh, they would also take it up into Quebec, and I think there was another facility in, in Pennsylvania. So depending on what the need was, 
they would take that and, and recycle it into some a product that they would, would be sold as a, as a pet food. Uh, so at the time, it was, it, was, it was specific to bread and bakery waste. And that's what we've been doing, and it's worked out well for us over the past few years. Uh, they've been a good partner. We've, we've had a good relationship, and, and it's working well for them. Uh, but what we'd like to do is to expand the definition of what's acceptable. And the proposal I sent in to Mr. Curry was mm. the DEP defines what a commercial organic material is uh, in their regulations. And I would, uh, I can get it right here. So it's, you know, food and vegetative material from any entity that generates more than one ton of those materials for solid waste disposal per week, excluding materials from a residence. So we had, I had some specific wording that we had, we had come up with back in 2020 that modified a little bit. Um, but what we're looking to do is, I'm gonna hold on a second. I got too many screens open here, <laughs> uh, was to, call it, uh, describe it in this way, if I can get my email here. So we would, we would, so, so before I get into that, at the same time, we'll have to modify what we have as a waste, the waistband disposal plan with mass DEP. Uh, we, once we, as soon as we get through this process successfully, we'd have to modify that plan and, and would have the same language in that plan for this activity that the DEP would approve. I've already, I've already let uh, Jim McQuaid, who's the solid waste section chief for the central region, know we were gonna be uh, speaking with the Board of Health to, to try to modify that. And once that step is done, then we would go to the DEP. But so, so the language would be um, designated loads of source separated organic material, including commercial organics material will be accepted and kept separate from the solid waste to be transferred for recycling. So that would sort of, it would include that description from the regulation I just read uh, on the definition of commercial organic material. And that would be, that, that language would also go in the waistband compliance plan that we would get approved from Mass DEP. So um, we're looking at other, there's other, other um, sources of the organics that are in the area that would come in. Some of it, it would be prepackaged. So we come from a manufacturing facility, either it didn't meet their spec or it expired or for whatever reason they needed to, to uh, move it off. And, and, and I think our process would be good to accept that and um, along with the bread and bakery, which we currently accept and have that go for recycling into uh, other good things. So just to explain really quickly, AKS Recycling is a transfer station. Mm -hmm. It accepts solid waste. The idea of transfer <laughs> station is to so um, they can dump municipal solid waste, whatever they collect at the curb, <laughs> they dump it on the floor and they pick out, literally pick out what's good and what can be recycled. In this case, um, they are uh, taking bread material from Bright Feeds, um, and they're trying to um, process it into something else, like dog food or something like This is all, the, the idea of this is to try to stop it from going to the landfill, and, and that's the ultimate Correct. goal and why DEP is pushing this stuff. Make sense? That's a, that's a cool, very quick overview, but I just wanted to. And this Thanks, Matt. We we have Diane, who's a, a great member, but but she's brand new, and I just wanted to make sure she was up to speed. Uh, she yep. was she was making faces when you started talking DEP lingo. <laughs> and, and <this laughs> yeah. I'm sorry, it's a it's a it's an occupational hazard of mine. <laughs> and this this facility is by the airport, if I recollect. Yes. Correct. So, Correct. in other words, are you saying that things like um, meat or canned goods or 
anything that um, is um, kind of right now right right organic. now right now we're not looking at that sort of material I, I don't I, I we'd have to sort of evaluate that but uh, um, the customer that we're looking at is is uh, it's Cedar Foods in Bradford up near North Andover and they have you know they make hummus uh, and other other material like that that's sort of what we're, we're looking at in the near term um, and so we you know obviously we have from the, actually where you're going on the, on the question you have, like I mean, we have a we have a rodent control program. We make monthly reports to to Mr. Curry, um, so you know we have that sort of at those those protections in place uh, right now. So this would not require any real changes to the facility or the place where correct uh, the, the materials are dropped off. Right, right. We would use we would use the same. Um, like I said, we, I threw a drawing up on the on the screen. We actually created a, a bunker in the tipping floor with concrete blocks to sort of establish a demarcation line. So it kept you know keeps that material separate from from the MSW that goes gets either goes to our waste energy facility down in Millbury or or goes to our transfer station in Leominster to uh, be put on the rail. But the but the this material wouldn't go to either of those places. Mm -hmm. <coughs> well. Um, How are you as a tour guide, tour guide, Matt? I think we need to, to, to show Diane the tour. Right. I'm, <laughs> I'm skeptical, but I'm just wondering, are we talking about just bread and items that are going to be, um, like you say, bakery items? like? Yes. Cake. You know, bread, pita bread, you know. Right. It's a, it's a, it's a you know, impact. Yeah, well, I, I got to tell you. <laughs> So if I'm there around if I'm there around lunchtime and I walk on the tipping floor and I see that you know a whole package of pita bread, <laughs> I wish I had some hummus. But um, <laughs> yeah, but, but I can't. Too. But I can't. So I have to not do that. But no, it, it, that's what we've been doing. Is is really it's you know you might have some dough that didn't get baked that would come in or you know finished loaves of bread in in packaging. We've been you know transferring that through there with bright feeds through our facility. Uh, for the, you know, I think we started sometime earlier, 2021, and I mean, Steve could tell you he's not received any nuisance complaints that I know of. So <laughs> that's because you stayed away from the proteins. <laughs> so, somebody, Matt, somebody literally will unwrap each loaf of bread that comes to you and unpackage all of the. They, um... So they have a depackaging process. I have not seen it. To I, I wouldn't even want to begin to explain it, but they have. It's some sort of a. It's an automated mechanical depackaging process. So yeah, there, there aren't people physically emptying the bags that I'm aware of. Well, I think it's wonderful that uh, these materials can be recycled and used for something uh, constructive, uh, going to animal food and so on is, is great, rather than just um, thrown into the landfill. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, I, um, from a Board of Health standpoint, I have certainly no objection to uh, expanding the, um, the use of the uh, facility to include the uh, materials that you want. Uh, I don't know if there's anything beyond what we say that would need to be done. Yeah, I think we just need to clarify um, for the DEP permit um, that we are, I believe we identified it as bread waste, and I think the actual term should have been I think we said bread and bakery waste, and we, we, they would prefer commercial organic material, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. And I believe there's a definition for commercial there is. organic yeah. material. In the, in the so it identifies what he can accept and what he can. It doesn't limit him just to 
bread and bakery waste. Mm. Now, now the, I, I see the wheels turning. Please okay. ask. So commercial organic material, to me, that's pretty broad. It is. I mean, you can, you can have all kinds of, um, I don't want to use the word dumping of stuff, I'm also kind of stuck on that you're going to use these bread and bakery products for dog food. I think maybe bird food would be better. <laughs> uh, they, so, there's a process they use. I, 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 mean, I, I don't know how they go about doing it, but it's a, I mean, it's a, it, there's several locations in the country, and I said there was one up in, in Canada that this material has been going to for the past couple of years. And however they process it, 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 makes, it makes good pet food, apparently. Um, but it, it would have to be, obviously, things that are edible, so that kind of defines what we're talking about. It's not, and, and you're not talking, there aren't a lot of places the material comes from. So it isn't like a truck drives down the street and picks up trash at every house. There's, you know, certain businesses and manufacturing operations that have this material they need to do something with. Right. And that's what we're looking, looking to service that need. I'd like a more of a clarification on what, what does commercial organic material mean to the people who are going to be on the receiving end of it? So they, they would only be able to accept the materials that they can process at their facility. So that would define for us what we can accept or will accept and transfer. So it would, like I said, it would have to be some sort of a food-based material um, that they can in turn handle, number one, depackage if they need to, and then process it into a usable product that, that, that can be sold. I don't know if that helps define that at all. Would would this include things like, you know, ham hamburger and old ham and that kind of stuff? I, I mean, I, I don't. I, I mean, to me, it seems to be. I, I don't. I don't get the impression that that's what it is. I get the impression it's more of like, it's it's still the bread and, and the you know those types of, of wastes. Um, you know, it could be a cakes. It could be, uh, like I said, hummus. Um, you know, those types of foods. I don't think that their process can take. You know physical, you know, things that are solid like a ham and turn it into a, into, into pet food. I don't, I've not had any of those discussions on that. Would there be a downside to our accepting those sorts of things? In other words, if we said, all right, we'll agree to um, accepting commercial organic material if they want to throw ham in there, that's okay too. Uh, I mean, is there a problem with that? Um, I I would have to tell. I, I would have to get with the with Bright Feeds to figure that out. I, I can't answer that. Uh, you know, I truthfully I don't know. Um, so I would. It would. I my sense is it would be though, because it's not sort of an easy or easy to break down type material like a loaf of bread or some some dough that would go through their process. I just don't think it would be the right fit. But again, I I would have to I would have to find that out. Yeah, I guess what we're trying to get at is, is there some way to limit this to um, yeast-containing products or something like that? Uh, <laughs> well, lack of uh, proteins. A lack of protein, yeah, something. Carbohydrates, I guess. Is what, <laughs> yeah. Well, I, yeah, I don't, it's a good question because if you say that, I don't know what's like hummus. Is that, is that a lot? <laughs> hummus is, is beans. Is it's beans, so is it protein? Chickpea, chickpeas, I think. Is what chickpeas, yeah. yeah. Chickpeas, it's protein. So the definition uh, is, says actually is consists of but is not limited to fruits, vegetables, grains, and fish and animal products and byproducts. That's organic. Food material. That's com commercial organic. 
There's no actual definition for commercial organic that I can see in the site assignment regulations. Maybe no, that, that, what, the word definition I read you was from the DEP regulations. There, okay. Uh, in 19, 19.006, uh, so. Okay, so I'm looking in 16, 310, 16. Yeah. Okay, so I'll go to 19. Yeah, right in the, right the definition. 310 CMR 6, Matt, could you read your definition again while Steve is looking for a more recent one? Yeah, uh, so commercial organic material means food material and vegetative material from any entity that generates more than one ton of those materials for solid waste disposal per week, but excludes materials from a resident. So they're going after you know, commercial institutions, restaurants, manufacturers that have waste to get rid of. Could you repeat what you said ex the exclusion is? Excludes, excludes materials from a residence. So it, it, oh. it, it, exempts, okay. it exempts households from having to recycle commercial organic material. Okay. Thank you. It's targeted at those who create, well, now it's a half a ton if I'm yeah. correct. It, you, before this year, was it anybody that created a ton of food waste had to, um, had to, to have a, a plan to recycle. It See. couldn't go to a landfill. This year they have reduced that to a half a ton. So basically AKS is trying to make themselves amenable to those regulations yep. to be able to take that material. Yep. And, and I'm sorry, again, once again, Matt, the, the materials that that includes are? <laughs> the organic material? Yeah, yes. that you, you just read the definition. Oh, so, well, it means food material, so that's pretty broad. Yeah. yeah. And, and vegetative material, so that's that's broad too. Okay. So theoretically, meat and all that could be included in that definition. It sounds like. Oh, yeah, absolutely, it could. Yes. Yeah. So, <laughs> commercial organic material. I believe you read the definition already. Yeah, that's. Yeah. I think that's what means. Food material and vegetative material from any entity that generates more than one ton of those materials for solid waste disposal. Obviously, this one's a little outdated. It's now a half a ton. Yeah. But excludes material from residents. Effective beginning November 1, 22, commercial organic material <laughs> means food material and vegetative material from any entity that generates more than one half ton of those materials for solid waste disposal per week, but excludes materials from residents. Yeah, I think the... The, where we had the question was um, you made more questions <laughs> how broad how broad is this um, commercial organic material does it include meat and hummus it does all, all kinds yeah, of it stuff. does and, 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 so, and I mean I guess and the, and the rea you know I guess the reality is too is we're you know as an MSW transfer station we're seeing this material anyways so it isn't like it's something that's not come through the facility before although it's different in that we're putting it off to the side to send it off for recycling. What about a definition for vegetative material? Is that does that mean something that grows in the ground? I would I would guess. That's my I don't know guess. If I'll see if they define that. I don't Steve's know if on it. I'm on it. I got it. I got it. I got there first, Steve. <laughs> okay, all right. What is it, Matt? It says means plant material. That's all it says. Three plant words. Plant material. Yeah. Okay. I'm sorry, what material? Vegetative plant. material is plant material. Plant material, okay. Yep. Means plant material, that's it, three words. <laughs> he's right, he's not. I didn't, think, I didn't think I could write a definition that short. I was double checking him and he's telling the truth. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks well, for double checking, Steve. And one other yeah. question I have is, let's say we 
just say, okay, we'll accept commercial organic material as it's defined, is that going to mean that we're going to start getting, you know, tons of hamburger and that's, you know, I suppose if it's just there 24 hours. So we're, yeah, we're, we're limited, I, I think, what was it, uh, 100 tons a day is what we're limited, and it's a pretty small bunker. Mm -hmm. So if, if stuff isn't, I mean, we're, we're trying to move this stuff material through as fast as we can so that we, number one, turn it over and get it out, but also, um, you know, be able to manage the material in that small space. It, you know, the whole, like I said, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a small portion of the facility. I believe it's, I believe it's 30 feet wide, and I think, I'm not, I'm not sure the definition, the dimensions of the transfer station, but it's probably less than a third of, you know, probably a quarter of the, the size of that facility on one wall. Um, is, what we're, is what we're talking about. So it's not it's not a huge area. Um, and again, we you know, we focus on moving material through as fast as we can, but there's a limitation on what we can bring in on a daily basis. Sure. Well, it sounds like this concern. Uh, Matt, is there, um, is there a problem if the board were to um, accept commercial organic material except for protein waste? Yeah, I mean, as long as we're, we, we're again, I was kind of, uh, is, is our chickpeas protein waste? I just don't want to use the wrong word. I, yeah. At this point, I mean, and, and I, that would be fine with, I think that would be fine with us if we want to try to put some parameters around it and just build in. If we want to expand it to these other materials, we'd come back before you and, and, and present. And well, I, I wouldn't have a problem with that. Let, let me just interrupt, though. What, I personally don't have a problem with protein if it's just coming in and going out in 24 hours. I, I mean... So what? <laughs> I don't know. I, I, I personally don't have a problem with. Sounds like we this need a third definition. member. <laughs> Where's Ian? As long as I can bring a knife and fork, I'm no uh, Because in my mind, bring your own, bring your own pita bread, though. Yeah. In my mind, I'm thinking you said they're limited to. Yes. A thousand tons. A hundred. No, no. So the facility can accept 500 tons of waste a day. So of this material we're talking about, it's 100 tons is what we're limited to. 100 tons. Yes. So if we're, to, say for example, on a, on a particular uh, Saturday or Friday, whatever, there's like tons of Hamburg that's gone bad. This facility may not be able to handle the... So we, have, the, we, we, we're, we have to turn, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you. We have, so we have a 72 hour limitation on waste that can be in, on that tipping floor. It has to be gone in 72 hours. Turn. Yeah. You could certainly shorten that time frame with protein. I, I, I don't. What's the problem with protein sits there for seventy-two hours? I, I mean. Well, meat and things like that—they go real. They go bad. They, there's going to be. Turned over and sent away. Once after it's been accepted, and we we it's a seventy-two hours uh, back in twenty twenty. That's also we've not had any issues with that time right. frame. Right. Um, I just had to torture you. You know that. Yeah. <laughs> Shall we? You got another couple hours? We can. Uh, <laughs> no, I. I personally um, have no objection to um, making the changes that they're asking for and uh, accepting, in a broad sense, commercial uh, organic material, in addition to bread and bakery wastes. Maybe it'll help, Matt, if you tell them the closest uh, residents to, to AKS recycling. 
it's got to be, I don't know, you know it better than I do. I mean, you got the airport on the backside. Yeah. It's all businesses. There's businesses all around us. Right. I, I, I'm trying to think where the first house is. I think it's Lunenburg, actually. <laughs> Probably <laughs> is. And, you know, plus we have the railroad railroad track on one side of us, and we, you know we get we get the airport on the other. So we're you know we're in an, an industrial area. It's, uh, it's definitely greater right. than 500 feet. We know that. Yeah. Yes. Oh yes. Yeah, I don't think there have been any complaints about odor or anything nope. in in the neighborhood. Has the other thing uh, to think about too is um, AKS is required. Actually, this board required it is to have a misting system, and it's actually uh, has a, a deodorizer in it. Yeah. Um, so they can the trash sometimes has uh, a terrible odor, and they'll run their misting system one to keep prevent the fires, and two to deodorize the place because it can can get a little rancid at ninety five degree days, <laughs> as the neighbors may know. <coughs> It sounds like there's concerns oh, out there. Oh, yeah, there's <laughs> definitely concern because there's, if there's odor when it's just like a vegetative material and bread and bakery items, and then we're going to bring in the meat on top of it, there's definitely going to be odor. There's definitely going to be a problem. And isn't the river, the Nashua River is right over near there too. Baker Brook, I believe, right? Baker Brook is part of it, right? Well, if I'm, if I'm understanding, though, I don't think meat and that sort of thing is really something that they're going to be encouraging to come. They're not going to have a lot of it. It's just that I think it's going to be very hard to say we're going to allow Wonder Bread but not Italian bread. You know? No, no, bread is bread. I'm not, I'm not being like that. I'm just no, saying I'm, can we limit it? Like, didn't you say could we limit it at this time and then maybe, or maybe Matt said, and then just add on and um, see how that goes without... So without limited to commercial... Vegetative waste? Organic material, with the exception of meat waste or protein waste? How do you feel about that, Matt? I, I, just, I just want to go back and just touch on, I mean, you know, Steve, Steve pointed out, and, and I, you know, as I said, we, we have to move that material up within 72 hours, or the, anything on that tipping floor. So I'm, speak, I'm sticking with the MSW example for right now, where we have far more of that material on the tipping floor, which is gonna have everything, every, including, it's gonna have everything we're talking about transferring in the bunker already there. Um, we, we've not had, you know, a history of, you know, we, we took over that operation in, in mid 2020, and I don't, correct me if I'm wrong, Steve, I don't know if we have, we've gotten any kind of complaints since then. Um, we no, we have our control, we have our control system. So it, it, I hear, I, it, again, I think to Steve's point, Coming out and looking at it might be might be helpful, but I don't see the, the additional organic material that we're talking about compared to the MSW volume that we're already handling through there, creating a new nuisance that doesn't exist today. Is there is there are there meat products that go through there now or the, 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 the... you would have I mean think about you you make a turkey at Thanksgiving what do you do with the carcass you you throw it away and it ends up coming through our facility so yeah there. On the MSW side, there is, but on the on the organics management side, there's not. Yeah. So already there is some of that material going through there. Is the correct? Point. Yeah. Correct. In yeah. and, and a, and a much greater quantity than what we're talking about, too. I, I think. Yeah. As as MSW. 
Well, maybe everybody has to make a soup with the turkey bones before they throw them. <laughs> we do. Well, I, I, I think that, um, you know, another way to do this would be to allow it, and then if there are complaints that come about, then we could always revisit it, I suppose, doing, doing it the other way around. I, I'd even offer up, too, <clears throat> if you want us to put some sort of a notification requirement in there, if we're going to start expanding it to that type of material that we just notify you. I mean, that would be agreeable. All right. That, I think that's reasonable. Um, so would we say we're allowing this except for meat products, but it sounds as if some meat products are already going there. Right. Yeah. I, my inclination is to go ahead and allow it, and um, should we hear complaints, we can revisit it then. But um, I think as, as long as we're not hearing complaints um, or, or problems developing, that we'll, we'll go ahead and allow it. Can I make that motion? You certainly can. <laughs> I don't know if you're going to get support, but you can make yeah. it. <laughs> I'll make the motion that we um, allow the acceptance of commercial organic material at AKS Recycling. Um, and that we will allow that acceptance to remain in effect barring hearing any complaints. Did that make sense? It did. Not very grammatic, but. <laughs> well. You can certainly disagree. I won't, I won't hurt my feelings. <laughs> I won't speak to you again, but. I'm going to second it, uh, the second that motion. And, um, but it also feels a little bit like, I don't know, like I don't have the, I don't have a piece of paper in front of me that lists everything. And so I like to see exactly what something is going to um, entitle or what's what it's going to involve. So I got the bread, I got the cakes, I got the, pita bread and all of that stuff, but. Um... So I think page eight, and I don't know if that. So uh, Matt, I have the attachments in their packet. If you look at page eight, and I believe page eight, nine, and 10, I don't know how much, uh, the email you sent me um, okay. a couple of weeks ago, uh, the board does have that? it. I'm not sure if, uh, if I recall. Is that, co is that but a copy it's, right there? Maybe you have a copy oh, and eight, I didn't nine, see nine, it. Nine, yeah. I'm sorry. Yes. Page, uh, page eight, nine, and ten. Oh, okay. Sorry, I didn't see this. I think it's a great idea what they're doing. Uh, that they're moving this stuff along and it's not going into the uh, trash. And we're talking mostly from like restaurants and places that are, are working on a bigger scale than in the household. And so Correct. I, yep. Yep. Okay. Thank you. I didn't, I did not see this. So this, this kind of. Apologies. I always forget to. It's okay. I gave you all the info and then I forget to point it out. So it sounds like a um, 
trucks would pass over the scale and then right. into the transfer of the building, and then uh, the trucks would uh, back into the building and uh, go to the area designated for food waste. It would be, uh, for lack of a better word, dumped on the tipping floor. And then material would be separated. Um, the waste would be um, separated from the food material. And um, a commercial grade rubber berm stops the waste streams from uh, creating rub, uh, runoff. Ju juices can't flow um, into like the floor drains or the, the nearby uh, catch basins, city catch basins. Just one question with regard to that. When sure. waste, when they separate the waste from what they're going to recycle, where does the waste go? Does that go to the landfill? It does, yes. Yeah. Okay. It, yeah, it, the MSW that we transfer, like I said, either goes to our, our, our waste energy facility down in Millbury near Worcester, mm -hmm. um, or, or it goes to our Lemonster transfer station that has rail service, uh, and that would take the waste out to Ohio, to our landfills in Ohio. Gotcha. So they pick out what's usable and mm -hmm. pick. So it's, yep. yeah, it sounds as if it's well sorted through. In other words, everything usable is going to be transported off and used, uh, recycled, and mm -hmm. irrespective of what it is, and the rest will go to uh, a waste facility. Yes. So it's not that yeah, it's we, sitting there. No, no. I, again, it's, you know, <laughs> I like to tell people it's a transfer station, not a holding station. Right. So, yeah. you know, it comes in, it comes in and goes out. It's very cool. Uh, I'm on... Uh, there's daily calls with the, with the transfer stations up in the New England area and the hauling division of our company, and there's close coordination with, you know, what's coming in for volumes, what do we need for trucks, where, where are the trucks going to go? So it, it's a it's a constant, um, you know, there's multi-layers in, in, the, in the company that focus on certain areas, and uh, it's a well-coordinated, most of the time, it's a very well-coordinated, um, um, you know, weather can, can play into it, but... Uh, you know, we've got we've got the equipment to move the waste to where it needs to go. I guess is the bottom line. Yeah, and I think the seventy-two hours really, most of the time, it's out of there well before that. It really had yeah. to do with weekends and holidays and you know, kind of unusual situations. Yeah, yeah. And, it, and it's not a very big building, as you. I'm, I'm sure you've seen it. You know, it isn't. Right. It's not huge. Right. And that's the good thing. It's in a building, so they can close it off if there are orders. Yeah. Other than but one of the reasons why the landfill doesn't accept food waste is because of that very reason. It's very close to a residential area, and they're very concerned about the odors that food waste creates. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Sounds like it could be a good uh, it could be a good plan for moving these things along. Um, well, I made a motion. Shall I repeat it or? Um, yeah. Repeat Please. the motion. I was afraid you'd say that. Let <laughs> 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 me find it again. Um, essentially, um, I made the motion that um, we accept uh, commercial organic material in addition to bread and bakery wastes at the AKS recycling facility. The, um, the other uh, regulations that we had with respect to it remain in effect and uh, that we allow this acceptance to be broadened and stay in effect unless we hear complaints about it. 
And might I remind uh, the board that our site assignment um, regulations has 36 conditions to it, many uh, address odor issues. I will definitely share those as a reminder. Um, so there's a ton of conditions. Um, not that that, not that, that relieves that. you, but it uh, does. no, it does. It definitely does. <laughs> thank you, and I'm going to okay. second that. All right. Thank yeah. you. Yeah. See, I can help too, I Matt. Yeah, I was, I was not. <laughs> I was. We'll keep you, Steve. <laughs> <laughs> so it's unanimous. So thank you, Matt. Sorry to keep you for an hour and a half. Not, not a problem. I could. There was. Uh, I, could, I could sense the emotion in the room. From, yeah, you from, could. You can almost taste from, it from this, this I, far I, away. Yeah. But um, um, when Diane's ready, uh, I will bring her down, and I'm, we'll I was, take a look at AKS. And Dr. B's certainly invited as well. Uh, uh, I'd like to see it yep. sometime. I'm ready. It's always interesting to go to the landfill and the transfer stations. Uh, right. Never a dull moment in those places. <laughs> nope. Nope. Thanks. Have Thanks, a good Chris. day. Okay. One, one, oh, one question completely different from this, though, sure. related to is any of the um, organic material, well, it's mostly vegetative, I guess, used for fuel, for instance. Uh, I know, you know, diesel engines can run on. Oh, like biodiesel? Yeah. Do, do they, does AKS do any of that or? No. No. Okay. It's mostly uh, animal food. All right. Yep. I like the way you're thinking, though. Well, um, that day's coming. Yeah. Far away. Right. Super. Yeah. Uh, that concludes, I think, the two ag agenda items. Uh, it does. Number three was um, announcements. I don't know, Steve. Oh, I do have a couple of announcements. All right. Uh, I'll hang up now. Thank, thank you. Thank you, Matt. Thank Thanks you, Matt. Yep. Sorry, I thought you had already left. Uh, announcements. Number one uh, announcement, uh, I would just like uh, residents to be aware that there is a public health warning out there of a sanitary sewer overflow. Uh, there has been a wastewater discharge identified yesterday at around 3 p.m. Uh, from a failed sewer manhole in Birchbrook, which is um, over off of Haywood, uh, just upstream from Hobson Street. Uh, luckily, um, Nobody swimming in the uh, waters around, or well, at least I hope they're not, uh, but it's cool enough. But uh, uh, we recommend that the public avoid contact with this aff uh, affected wa these water bodies for at least 48 hours and um, be aware of the uh, uh, water. I can say that um, the DPW has contracted with some contractors that they've had a, a difficult time accessing. Uh, the manhole is actually in the brook. Uh, it was created probably 100 years ago and basically the, the brickwork and mortar has failed and it is now leaking out into the, into the, uh, the brook. Um, so it's uh, a, a diversion project. Well, getting there first mm -hmm. is an issue and then uh, they're trying to divert the brook um, oh. so that they can work on the manhole and repair it. But uh, stay away from those water bodies if it can, if it can happen. The second announcement is uh, November 11th at our Fitchburg Westminster landfill from 9 to 12. That's a Saturday. Uh, our second 2023 Household Hazardous Waste Day is being held. Um, 
check your sheds and barns and basements and garages for those household hazardous waste items. Um, if there is a question on what's acceptable, you can take a look at the uh, Health Department webpage on the household hazardous waste and it lists all the items that uh, can be accepted at that event. And again, it's November 11th from 9 to 12. And then lastly, um, the street outreach team is hosting a winter coat drive to benefit the Fitchburg Public Schools. Uh, it's actually the Health Department Outreach and Mayor Stina, Stephen D. Natale's office. Um, so we are accepting donations of new or clean, gently used winter coats. Uh, as I stated, it's for uh, the benefit of our <laughs> Fitchburg Public Schools. Uh, that, uh, uh, this event uh, will be from November 3rd to December 18th. Donations can be brought to the City Hall lobby or the Senior Center Lobby, which is uh, uh, 14 Wallace Ave, uh, and then City Hall is 718 Main Street, Monday through Friday from 8.30 to 4.30. And if there's any questions, 978-829-1854 is the number to call. Super. Thank you. Well, that's good. Nice to the do that. The only other thing is uh, the minutes. Or oh, yes. Um, you don't have to write that if you want, Diane. You can have this. Oh, thanks. Do do um, I have a motion to approve the meeting minutes of September seventh, two thousand twenty-three? Well, I did read those, and I'll make a motion to approve the minutes from November second. From, from September seventh. Yeah. Um, I'll I'll second that. I I also uh, went through them, and I didn't see any. Yeah inaccuracies, not that Karen would ever have any. So <laughs> we, we approve those minutes then. Perfect. Super. That completes the agenda. That does for my...